0: hello and welcome to too fast too forever as well as a family we chose this one this is episode 326 monster in the closet from 1986 i'm joey lewandowski i'm joe too and this episode is brought to you by
1: xylo the Online Xylophone, a simple, online, vibrant, digital xylophone, which actually sounds like a real xylophone. Shout out to PlayXylo.com.
0: Well, shout out to you, Xylo, and happy Halloween. I also, I can't believe, so I watched this movie this morning, before we, we introduced our guest. Oh, same. I watched this movie this morning, and I was like, this xylophone song is going to be stuck in my head forever, and it's already uh, left my head. I i don't know how It, it is did.
1: not, it is not, um what halloween 3 secret of the witch catchy no, do, 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 it is do, do, definitely
0: do, not. Do, 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 do. but like it but they play it dozens of times in this millions of times so i was like oh i'm definitely gonna remember it. i'm definitely gonna hum it on the episode already forgot it um which is a little sad but you know whatever anyway joining us today to talk about this movie and there's a very specific reason and i don't remember if i told this story on here or not but i'm going to tell it on this episode okay returning guest returning champion
2: christian larson hello larson Hi, it's a uh, it's a pleasure and an honor to be back with you guys. It's been quite a while, so it's been welcome too back.
0: Long. Welcome, welcome back. Happy Halloween! You have a pumpkin behind you, which is very seasonally appropriate. Oh, I fun. do, I do. That was that was actually accidental. So, before we get into the backstory and everything of this movie and why we're doing it for this show, I mean, it's it's obvious if you look into it, um, but. Joe, have we have I explained my history with Trauma and Trauma Team and Trauma Films and stuff like that, or no?
1: It, it sounds vaguely familiar, but I would like to hear it again. So
0: there's not. I don't think this is crazy exaggerated to say that if it were not for Trauma, we might not be here right now. Okay, and Marzen, I think I told you the story. I don't know if you know this, so. It was my sophomore year at college, and we were in the common area in my dorm. And we turn on the TV. We're like playing a board game or something. And me and our friend Steve Payson, and you know, a couple other friends, whatever. Friend of the show Melissa Lina might have been there. And we're like turning through channels, and this movie comes on, and we're like, "What the fuck is this movie?" And we're watching this movie. And I'm like, "I don't know what this is." And then our friend Alan, who is involved in the campus TV station, is like, "Oh, this is RCTV. It's the campus TV station." I don't know what movie this is, but they put it on. And so we eventually find out that this movie called Rabid Grannies, which is a trauma okay. film. And I was like, I don't know who is subjecting Ramapo College to this movie. But whoever it is, I want to be friends with them. Ah. And so Alan is like, well, this is the campus TV station. Just come with me next time. So I go there. The The club at that time is run by Larson. And through him, and indirectly through Trauma, I met and became friends with a lot of different people including Mike Manzi.
1: Resident historian Mike Manzi. If it weren't for
0: him, we never would have done Cage Club. Yep. And if it weren't for Cage Club, none of this would have been here at all. So, like, I, I, I sort of say it as a joke, but I am very serious that trauma is the <laughs> reason that I am friends with most of the people that I'm friends with, and honestly kind of the reason this network exists. And... It's very special because a lot of the hosts on this network are in New Jersey, the New Jersey area, and Troma is a New Jersey studio. And so it's very very important, very appropriate. And so, Larson, thank you for putting on rabid grannies, and that's why we're all here
2: today. Well, that wasn't me specifically. That was Gennaro uh, Desposito, who was my kind of second-in-command, who was a huge Troma head, who really got me into Troma. I I will say I'm not specific particularly a huge trauma person i think for my taste sometimes they they try a little too hard to be edgy uh um, ah. and, and, and which surprised me at how wholesome relatively wholesome this movie was uh-huh. but uh, we'll get into it um but trauma you know i have to respect the fact that they are true independence in a world that is increasingly corporate and uh I think that was that was kind of the spirit of the old R C T V as well, was that we were like yeah. the rag the ragtag bunch. So uh the the spirit is definitely there. I also don't want to, like, overstate my Troma fandom. I've seen maybe, like, four
0: Troma movies ever. It's just, like, <laughs> okay, the just one that I saw to... <laughs> got me here. It's not like I'm like, I need to see all these movies. I'm just like, whoever is doing this, I want to be friends with them. Because if they like this, they're going to like other things that I like or whatever. Exactly. But I've seen, <laughs> I've seen part of Rabbit Granny. Or maybe it was Tromeo and Juliet. And we watched Rabbit Granny's on Trashy Tuesday. But it's, like... I've seen very few of their movies, but, you know, also Toxic Avenger remake coming out this fall with Peter Dinklage yeah. as Toxie, which is very exciting.
2: Um, and, Tromeo and Tromeo and Juliet was uh, one of the first films by James Gunn, who, you know, obviously That's went on to do much bigger things.
0: Yeah, so, like, Joe, like, Lloyd Kaufman is kind of, like, the in, in ways, like, the modern-day Roger Corman, who I know that Brian talks about a lot on High School Slumber Party. Like, Mike has filled him in on that, but it's basically they give like horror in general, but these studios in particular, like give young filmmakers a shot to do a thing. And like, even though Bob Dolan on this movie never really made other movies, like he was mostly an assistant director and a lot of like he wrote and directed this, but he's just mostly like second unit and a bunch of stuff. Like a lot of people went on to have like really great long lasting careers because they actually got to like sort of, you know, learn on the job and make a movie and, you know, do that kind of thing, which is That's exciting. awesome,
1: very respectable. I think we need more businesses like that. That's really
0: cool. So Monster in the Closet, which is available with ads on Freebie and Plex and Tubi. So you can basically watch it just about wherever. Came out in 1986, but was shot in 1983, which, all right, took a couple years to get out. They had um, to edit all of it. Had either of you ever heard of this movie before we before you know I, I we, we started this episode Joe do you heard of monsters had you heard of trauma
1: I have heard of trauma through you um talking about it uh your story uh I don't think I've heard that specific story before so that was kind of interesting cool um but no as as for monsters in the closet I was absolutely... Uh, never, ever heard of this
0: movie before. Never could, never, well, nothing. Larson left the video screen and came back with, is that Monster in the Closet on VHS? Yes, yes. Beautiful. As soon as I,
2: as soon as I knew we were, uh, going to be discussing it, I had to add it to the collection. Because it sounded so, uh, the, co- the combination of elements <laughs> is so intriguing. And, um. It, it, there's there's some it, really interesting stuff that's probably exclusive to the VHS uh, release, which... Ooh. Is there? I'll get into... Yeah, yeah, but... uh okay. I, I don't want to
0: interrupt, so... I oh, know, I'm super excited. I want to hear all about that in, in like... Because there's... Believe it or not, there's not a ton of backstory about this movie. So no, can go no well, shit.
2: Actually, there is, but I... Uh, oh! You know, maybe I've just been exhaustive in my research, but... Uh, maybe...
0: Okay, so here's what what I have,
2: and I would love to have you augment in however. So
0: Monster in the Closet, Paul Dooley – so this is the description on IMDb, which is just like, this is not what it's about, but sure. Paul Dooley, Paul Walker, John Carradine, and Henry Gibson head up an all-star cast in this horror comedy about a murderous but misunderstood monster. So written and directed by Bob Dolan. It was produced by five different guys without wiki pages. It was shot by a guy, Ron McLeish, who doesn't have a wiki page. No idea of the budget, it went straight to video, so there was no box office, no reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, no reviews on Metacritic, no crazy credits, unfortunately. Um, it is the film debut, the reason we're talking about it on this show, on the state, on Halloween, it's the film debut of Mr. Paul Walker as mm-hmm. The Professor, who I love, want to talk a lot about him, also... And Larson, you might know this from your research. There is another film debut in this film. Uh, Joe, did you recognize the young girl in the first five minutes who gets killed? Oh no, but she seemed she seemed vaguely familiar. But I was
1: she's- looking for Paul Walker. Who is it?
2: I'll give you a hint. She uh, her next gig was uh, Kids Incorporated on the Disney Channel, uh, and she she's went not, on. To and she's be- also
0: not an act. She's not really an actor. She's more of a no. musician. Oh, no, I don't know who it is. Somebody enlighten me. That is someone named Stacy Ferguson, or who you might know better as Fergie. Oh, oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> uh-huh. The Duchess herself. When she <laughs> when she pops up and she dies, I'm like, look, we're going to do this either way, but like, I hope that Paul Walker's not only in one scene. And no, Paul Walker's in most of the movie. Most of the and movie. I was hoping that, too, yeah. He's really good. We're going to talk about he's the professor, great. but I was so... I was so glad that, like, it wasn't just like a, well, we're doing a Paul Walker movie and he dies, you know, three seconds into the monster in the closet or whatever. Um, I will also say this is one of the worst bits of trivia that I've ever seen. I'm reading verbatim from IMDb. It has five upvotes and 16 downvotes, which, given how, like, not popular this movie is, 16 downvotes is a lot. Yes. Verbatim from IMDb, Paul Walker's death is well-known, but his mother from this movie is also dead. She died in March 2019. <laughs> that's that's that, a crazy credit if I've ever heard one. Like, <laughs> that's the kind of thing where at a certain point, like every movie from 1930, like trivia can be like, They're all dead. All these actors are dead. You yeah, know, I know. 150 years old. It's just like, okay. Like, it's just like, yeah, you don't need to let us know that <laughs> Paul Walker is dead. We know. And also, like, his mom is, you know, I mean, she's not like, But she she would have been like, seven you know it's like if she probably yeah she's probably dead i that's what i would have thought like if you were like <laughs> is
1: that lady alive i'd be more surprised if you came on and be like she's still alive as of march Everyone in this I- movie you know
0: is still alive except for paul even the monster <laughs> in the closet is still alive no but just like oh people boy are just like, no that's not trivia get out of here thumbs down good on them i'm
1: glad they finally voted the right way there we
0: go but that's all the research I have. So Larson, what did you find? Please hit us with
1: uh,
2: whatever you I want
1: to know I want to know the special that. features you have on this VHS that you were oh. hinting about. Please. Well,
2: I'll, I'll kind of fold that into my uh, okay. presentation okay. here, but so this movie is a parody of like 50s schlocky black and white monster movies. And as such, it has a bunch of actors from that kind of era of Hollywood. Uh, Mm -hmm. The sheriff sheriff is played by a guy named Claude Aikens, who did a lot of classic uh, westerns. Uh, Howard Duff, who plays the the priest, was the, uh, you know, he's very big in the golden age of Hollywood, but he was also married to Ida Lupino, uh, who was this uh, kind of groundbreaking female film noir director of the time. Okay. the blind man who violently searches for his dog by swinging his cane around. Uh, yeah, that's John Carradine, right? John Carradine, who is the, the patriarch of the Carradine family. Um, yeah. Hen- and he's also Hen- been
0: discussed on multiple episodes of The Monsters That
2: Made Us because he was in a couple of those really old classic horror movies. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Henry Gibson, who plays the old professor. Uh, is a guy who pops up a lot playing the weird old guy in things. Um, he started on Laughing, but most notably, he was the head of the Illinois Nazis in the Blues Brothers. Uh, and we covered, ah, again, he plays okay. his credit as head Nazi. Wonderful, wonderful yes. credit. And, uh, <laughs> and he was in the Burbs. He was the, the father of the family, the creepy family next door in the Burbs. Um, Stella Stevens, the middle-aged woman who gets the nudity in the shower scene, which is like—I did
1: not expect nudity. By the way, this this did not, right? I mean, like, I get it in oh, the in, in well, the sense of like when we watch when we watch scary movies that are like uh, kind of like this. Like, I'm always like, okay, who gets you know, like who pulls the boobs out. And then when I was watching this and I was like, this seems like kind of like a kid Saturday afternoon kind of movie. And then all of a sudden I was like, nope, there's still boobs in this too. Okay.
0: This woman is very close to Mike in my heart for a reason I'm sure my Larson was about to bring Because you see up. her
1: boobs and Monsters in the Closet? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Okay.
2: I'd actually never heard of her. But, I i mean, getting back to, to Joe's point, like, trauma is known for, like I said before, it's gratuity, uh, gratuitousness. Yeah. uh, sh- uh Gore, boobs, wherever they can cram it in, they will. And that's why this movie was such kind of a shock for me until you see uh, Stella Stevens, uh, who was kind of a, a bombshell starlet of the golden age of Hollywood again. Yeah, Joe. If you want,
0: if you want to watch like Class of Nukem High or something like, there's movies that are like just it's it's super gross and super violent and super like naked and like it just everything but, <laughs> okay everything. But Stella yeah. Stevens is the female lead, Elvis's love interest in Girls, 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 which is one of the more oh. fun wacky. Oh sort yeah, of you like that one. career. You know, why yeah. like, and I call it. Boat so boat wait, boats. so she
1: like so she like. Had her career, comes back to do this trauma film, and then also takes her shirt well, off. So, awesome so here, for so her. Here's,
0: so here's the thing. Okay, so so this is a common trope on Viva Pod Vegas, the Elvis podcast that Mike and I do. But, like, almost all of the women in those movies are cast because they were former beauty models or Makes former sense. Playboy playmates. It's just okay. like, who is the most beautiful woman in the world right now? Let's get her in a with, movie with Elvis. It doesn't matter if they are... An actor or not, there's going to be a beautiful on screen, and so it makes sense for her to like have a career. You know, she's not like known for a lot of different movies, but she has a career. And then you know, she's also in the Poseidon Adventure. She's in the Nutty Professor. Like, she's in some pretty big movies. And then, you know, she just winds up here and you know shows a little bit of boobs in her exact shower here. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: the The actor playing opposite her in that shower scene is Paul Dooley, uh, who. Probably his most he's he does a lot of stuff with the Christopher Guest, um, but probably his biggest role is the dad in Pretty and Pink. But he was he was a guy who was doing improv like back in the 50s and 60s, like before improv was a thing. Um, so that's he's crazy. Kind of a kind of a big deal. Uh, the the guy who plays the monster is a guy named Kevin Peter Hall. And he also played um, Harry from Harry and the Hendersons. Uh, He played the Predator in the Predator movies. And so he was a big dude in more ways than one. Uh, But tragically, he died at an early age uh, from AIDS, which he caught from a blood transfusion. Uh, That's a bummer. Yeah. Um, The guy who plays the... yeah. The guy who plays the general uh, is a guy named Donald Moffat, who was the head of the Arctic research team in The Thing. He was also in uh, Popeye, the Robin Williams movie. Uh, I saw uh, a screening of The Thing in Tarrytown, which is uh, near where I live in the Hudson Valley, and his daughter came and presented the film film committee with a jacket he wore in The Thing, because uh, he loved the jacket, and he didn't want to give it back to wardrobe, so he wore it all the way home, like, <laughs> on the plane, hoping that no one would, like, call him on it, and they never did, so... I've always had this jacket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's great in it. I love the general. Uh, Frank Ashmore, who plays Scoop, the uh, douchey rival reporter, um, he was... Oh, yeah. Probably the biggest role that you might know him from is he was the navigator in airplane, uh, the guy in the cockpit that was not uh, Captain Over or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He's the he's the what's the vector Victor? Yes, yes.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that I I could definitely recognize him now. Yep.
2: That's that's pretty much all I got. Uh, the the main guy Richard Clark who plays uh, I'm sorry Donald Grant who plays Richard Clark who I think did a great job. I think everybody did a really good job in this movie. Like, Way uh, better
1: than I was expecting, brother. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Like, I, w- I was not ready for this level of act- Like They're actually really good, especially Paul Walker, but yes.
2: Yeah, the level, like when you watch something like um, The Toxic Avenger or Class of Nukem High, you know what you're getting into. It's not quality. Uh, and and it was clear I was I was very impressed by certain things about this, and I was very let down by certain things about this. But I was very impressed at the the cast they were able to get, the the quality of the performances they were able to get, and the filmmaking in a lot of places. Just to wrap things up, I'll I'll tell you about the the special features at the beginning of at the beginning of the VHS tape. Um, so there is a Troma video zine uh at the beginning. Because ah. you know, back in the eighties there weren't a lot of ways for a studio like Troma to sort of promote their stuff or talk about what they were doing. So they would stick these little promos at the beginning of their VHS releases, and this one had a couple of trailers. Um there was an action movie called uh Busty Babe for the CIA or something like that. It was about like a, it was about like a femme femme, It was like, you've seen James Bond. Now check out, you know, Busty McGee for the FBI. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And the other one was Sergeant Kabuki Man NYPD, which was sort of their attempt at launching another toxic Avenger. It was like a bumbling cop who becomes this Japanese traditional warrior. And then they cut to the Troma Studios, and it was Lloyd Kaufman, who's uh, the, the head honcho, and his partner, Michael Hertz. And they gave like a little uh, five-minute spiel about Monster in the Closet. And they said, like, there are two kinds of movies that Troma makes. There are the ones that like Lloyd Kaufman writes and is ma- are made in-house. And then there are the ones they find, and they just distribute. And this was one of them, and they found the script floating around, and they liked it, and the filmmakers were running out of money. So they just, like, kicked them enough money to finish it. They allowed them... They were shooting in California, and so they allowed them to finish filming in Jersey City. Okay. And it was was really cool. And the, the one thing... That fascinated me was that they said the reason they were filming out there in California was because the either the director or the, the director of photography was a protege of Robert Altman, who is mm. you know this legendary director, and some and some of the cast members Henry Gibson and uh, Donald Moffat have appeared in Robert Altman movies so it makes me wonder if Robert Altman kind of gave his blessing to Monster in the Closet. <laughs> you know, there's there's the movie
0: Thrashin' with Josh Brolin, which I think is a skateboarding movie. That like, Oh, yes. I've, I've brought up a couple times because there's like three or four actresses who go on to have somewhere between small and big roles in Twin Peaks, and I'm like, I can see a version of like 1980s David Lynch watching Thrashin' and being like, that's a good movie, I want to cast these people. So like, yeah. there's something fun about having... A, mo- a director who is like known for being one of the best to ever do it, like
2: watching kind of absolute shit and being like, you know what, <laughs> this is pretty good. But yeah, so that was that was a big info dump. But uh, no, I appreciate
0: it. No, I, 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 I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, go into the, 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 the cast like that. So I appreciate that. But there's two things that you mentioned that I really want to talk about. I want to get Joe's take on it. Number one, I think it is both easy and difficult to do a movie like this because like you have to sort of thread the line between like kind of making a trauma movie but also making like a kids movie sort of because it's not really adult other than like the you know the shower scene which you could pretty easily cut out or just like crop and edit whatever But I also – you mentioned Scoop as the rival reporter. One of my favorite things about this movie is just every single character had the most obvious on-the-nose name of all time. I was going to say that when he said his (laughs) name was Scoop. Yeah, I know. And I (laughs) was like, this is – like the the editor-in-chief of the paper, his last name was Bernstein, like the Watergate guy – the, yeah. the sort of dorky reporter that like has a she's all that moment when he takes his when gl- his glasses get knocked off. His name is Clark, and then he basically becomes Superman. He's he Clark Kent. With, I the, I up. just called him Clark Kent from the mm-hmm, beginning yeah. of the movie. Yes. Yeah. The reporter's name, Scoop. Like, all these different people are just like, what is not, like, the most, like, not, like, righty the reporter. It's just like, well, what's, like, the most common journalist name? Oh, Bernstein. Okay, cool, got it. Like, that's just what we're going to do here. So, like, but I love that about it. So, Joe, I was wondering, I mean, I think you just said you loved it, but, like, thoughts on both, like, the overall tone of this and also just the, like, kind of lazy but also spot on naming
1: what i really enjoy like i again i did like the naming a lot what i really enjoyed is how much on-screen text there was and yet how confusing the plot gets at certain points they like to tell you exactly where you are to the millisecond at some points of the movie although sometimes it's
0: also like april 7th or 8th
1: that or that yeah there's that there's like this is the building next door you know and you're like Okay. Cool. Thanks for the, we saw the camera pan over. We talk a lot. You know, we talk a lot about like show don't tell. This explicitly tells mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over and over and over again until like something probably needs explanation, and then they don't explain that.
0: Although you know, in the movie's defense, the opening voiceover does say this movie is unexplainable. So when you get confused, it's like okay, hey, the, movie, the movie told you it's unexplainable. You're not going to understand Fair. what's going on here. I should
1: just fucking listened in the beginning. I agree.
0: So, Larson, I know that you own the VHS now. Did, had you heard of this movie before I asked you to be on this? And was that VHS expensive, or was it, are there like a million out there? Uh,
2: no, the VHS tape was not. You know, there are certain in the VHS collecting community, there are people who are like, oh, this is the first edition of Halloween released on beta 1982. Yeah. You know, like, it gets pretty hardcore, and people buy tapes for hundreds of dollars. I think right. this was 3 ninety nine. Um, okay so cuz we just
0: did what do we do oh mega force which will be out or is out in uh, ne- it well no. love it's going to be that's the next bonus episode for uh for patrons so as you're hearing yeah. this patrons it's going to be out on monday but joe looked up and there's the Atari game that's also like $3 right so like i'm cl- I feel like <laughs> all these things that we are talking about you can just get for almost yeah money. i was like
1: cuz 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 you could have told me the mega force atari game was like $600 or <laughs> 3 <laughs> It just happened to be three, yeah. Yep. So that's why that's what we're thinking on the the VHS it's, it's pricing. Good, nice. yeah. Yeah. But,
2: but well, I I had no idea what Monster in the Closet was. Uh, I all I knew about it was that it was a trauma movie and that it was the uh, debut of Paul Walker. Um, yep. and I there was so much about it that really piqued my interest: the fact that it was a parody of fifties monster movies, uh, the fact that all these random. Quasi-famous people were in it. Um, the fact that it was a trauma movie. I was like, okay, this this is going to be uh, really a hidden gem. And my biggest issue with it ended up being the tone of it. because, oh, for, in my mind, it was gonna be like an airplane style mm, spoof mm-hmm, spoof. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little raunchy at times, but running gags. Uh, trope making fun of tropes of monster movies that sort of thing and it it, it does a little of that but the chara- the interactions between the characters are like too good too like genuine i i don't know what yeah. it is but it it it's not it doesn't go along with that kind of gag a minute thing and also the second half of it drags down with these endless xylophone bits which i'm sure we'll get into <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a sequence
0: in this movie where they're hunting for the monster and it's like probably five like this movie is like 90 minutes but it's probably like 4 or 5 full minutes where it's like supposed to be tense and it's like they're hunting and they're tapping the xylophone and they're like creeping through like a warehouse or well, something well cuz he figures out the the the, profe- the not
1: the actual not the professor but the like there's three professors einstein. yeah <laughs> I, 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 yeah the einstein looking one figures yeah. out that if you play the one like a five notes on the xylophone, yeah. you can kind of talk to the monster. Right. That's that. So he's chasing him around, trying to call him out.
0: And like in a in a movie that's like really well done with a really good budget, you're like, oh my god, this is so tense. But here, just like, oh no, they ran out of money. They need to fill time. It's just like they're like wandering through, like tapping on the xylophone. I think the issue. Then I don't know if it's an issue, but like the thing with the tone is just like. I think it's just a kid's movie. Like, it's it's not really like – like, the nudity doesn't make any sense, but I think, like, people are good to each other because I think it's just meant for kids, right? It's just, like, wouldn't it be really cool if, like, a guy who had a crush on your mom bought you candy – well, this also sounds creepy the way I'm saying it, but, like, if a guy who had a crush on your mom bought you candy bars and you solved crimes with him and just, like, yeah, that's kind of pretty cool. I think you're right.
1: Yeah. I th- but, I, but I don't think that, like it, – it's not focused enough on Paul Walker to fully make that happen – you know what I mean? Like, he is still, like, a secondary character. If this was just fully Paul Walker's movie, and it's just him solving monster crimes with his new stepdad <laughs> that's Clark Kent, then it would have been 100% a Disney movie. Like, it's its so
0: close. You're I right. Will, I will say, when I was looking for this movie, because I saw that, you know, Halloween was on a Tuesday. I'm like, we need to release a Halloween movie. Like, this wasn't originally on the schedule. I was just like, Halloween's a Tuesday. we got to do this. And I remember looking, and there's another movie released a year later called Program to Kill. But based on the trailer and everything, like, I didn't think he was in it as much. And this one also looked better and more fun. And I think it was probably the right call. But, like... It would have been cool for Paul Walker to be in it more, but considering this is his film debut when he's, like, 11 or 12, like, he's, yes, I he's agree. in so much of the movie. like <laughs> a Way more there. than I expected. He's not, like, the star, but I'm just like, oh, he's going to keep popping up, and he's got, like, lines, and he's got things to do, and he's, like, inventing stuff. There's a line where his mom says that he's won two
2: Nobel Prizes already. It's like, what is – what? Okay. <laughs> sure. The Professor. The Professor. Yeah, uh, there are a couple of moments where there are these kind of airplane-esque gags that I thought were going to be more of a thing. One of them was the constant over-explaining on-screen text, like, 8.45 a.m., mm-hmm. okay. you know? And yes. and I, I think that that might have been a reference to, uh, like, horror movies, because, like, old slasher movies will show that, like, Haddonfield, Illinois... Uh, Absolutely. It makes it gives it more of like a documentary feel, which makes it yes. seem creepier. So I'm I think that's what they were going for with that. The xylophone thing I'm pretty sure was like a um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind thing, uh, where they speak to the yeah. aliens with a sequence of notes. Um, but the one gag that I thought was going to be a funny thing. Uh, was the sheriff was constantly spitting. And when the the reporter first meets the sheriff, he's spitting like every two sentences into a spittoon. And then they go to like a crime scene, and he's spitting in like random things around the room. And I was like, (laughs) that could have been a funny gag where like as the movie goes on, he's spitting into like more and more... Yes. Weird things, and that's what I expected. That's the kind of stuff I expected. But instead, there was one good joke with that, where they're at a crime scene, right? And he like just like spits
0: in like what seems like a girl's like cup on her desk or something, which is kind of funny. But like they they do ultimately sort of just drop that. Um, one thing I did appreciate about this movie, and I think that like it's you know still a low budget movie, it could kind of go either way, is that they. You see the monster 27 minutes in, and then you see a lot of the monster. It's not like they ran out of money or they didn't yes. have a cool costume. It's just like, no, we're going to show you the monster for most of the movie. It's like, okay, cool. I, I respect have that,
1: that. I have that exact same note. Like, I, I thought that we were going to get a long burn. You see the monster at the end type situation. But, nope, 27 minutes. I was like, this mm-hmm. movie's not very long. And they bring the monster out in the first third, and he stays
0: and like you a little bit later you get the reveal that like it's kind of got like a xenomorph like mouth or a little head inside of its own mouth and like there's a little bit of that like from alien but other than that it's just kind of like this like gloopy poop looking thing with the, <laughs> It looked
1: it looked like a, a like a villain from Power Rangers to me yeah. which also lent to the the children's programming situation but it definitely looked like something that the Power Rangers would have fought at some point.
2: Yes. Absolutely. I, I when it first started and the people start dying they just walk into a closet, and then clothes start flying out, and you hear clothes, screaming. Yeah,
1: clothes just get thrown by some guy that's sitting in that closet, chucking shirts out of it.
2: Yeah, and I'm like, that's such a perfect thing for a low-budget movie, because they can't afford to show the monsters. So, it's probably going to be like Jaws, where you don't see the monster for like 90% of the movie, because they don't have the money for it, or it's not working, or whatever, but... You see the monster like halfway through, maybe even sooner. And it's really impressive. there i
0: there was a point, like the same thing you have, where I was just like, are they just gonna have like an arm because you have the arm extend? there's the shot? Like there's a scene where the professor is working on stuff in the lab basically and like the arm comes from off screen and yanks him and i'm like they could do a lot with just an arm but i'm glad they have the whole monster because like there's a scene where like him and like the monster and scoop are like fighting over paul walker and they're like like they're basically like you know pulling them in opposite directions like this is like very funny visual gags specifically especially because it's paul walker (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, the, I, I agree with you. I like that they did use... Uh, we say, like, see the monster, but you see, like, head to toe. Like, they have full body shots, like, side, everything. And so I think I think that, that does is the best play that they could have made having the monster as opposed to... You're right. Like, the, I think they could have gotten away with, like, just the arm, a couple shots of the face, whatever, whatever. But no, they sold it the whole time.
0: So good on them. I did think there was a very... There's a sort of a fast connection here... There's the moment where the the wacky teacher, bought, like the, the the mom's boss, like the, the sort of the wacky old professor, walks across the basketball court to the monster. Like there's like the 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 score, like you know, it's like triumphant. It's like the guy is you know he saw that he's gonna be friends with the monster, and the monster kills him anyway. He but says my they,
1: favorite line. He says, What's "Listen." He said, "Listen, I'm your friend. I'm a scientist."
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. The monster attacks and the military opens fire. And then there's like a, we communicated. And he says, could you understand what it said? And he goes, no. I'm no. like, well, that's not really like yeah. communicated. <laughs> but then, so then, yeah. he, but that guy dies and they go to the, the graveyard. You see the funeral. And I'm just like. Well, no, they they like saved. Well,
1: uh, okay. Yeah. The, the having five professors. Yeah. No. Having five different actual having two people that are real professors and a kid that they call the professor (laughs) makes this movie very, very interesting in a lot of ways. But like, yeah, because like after that, we're like we we like see him, but he's alive. Like when the like the monster like leaves or whatever, then we go to the the graveyard. So I was like, okay, cool. We went to the graveyard Uh, like so he's dead. And then, like, right after that, the mom is sitting there and she's like, thanks for saving the professor to Clark Kent. And I'm like, which fucking, prof- like, is he still alive? Or, like, we just saw his funeral. But, yeah.
2: I, I think she's talking about Paul Walker, right? Because she is. He she saves- 100% is. Okay. Okay. Oh, but you're saying because everyone's called a professor. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Everyone's a professor or called yeah. a professor. So it's just like, yeah.
0: <laughs> good choices, guys.
1: Excellent. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: But I was just thinking about how in Furious 7, like, 30 years later, Paul Walker is going to be in a similar graveyard, and they're going to say, no more funerals, Brian. But, like, just, like, no more funerals, the professor. But, you know,
2: <laughs> I don't know.
0: They walk around as, like, like a coterie
1: for, like, a while. As Ooh, Good word. And, and it, like, it sat, it, it like, it looked to me like this is, like, the beginning of, like, a really weird joke. Because it's, like, a priest, Einstein. A sexy teacher, Paul Walker is a child, and Clark Kent are all at dinner together. And you're like, where yeah. the fuck is this going? And that's exactly yeah. what happens. And they, I I do, as much as like, so we watch a lot of these scary movies, and like, often it's like, you know, those two go this way, those two go this way. No, in this movie, they keep all five of them together for as long as they can, just walking in a line, like everybody peeking through the door at the same time. And it, it, it really cracked me up. I was like, I've never seen a group that just like stays a group on their march.
0: I I wrote down, I'm like, this dinner is a wild group. The professor, his mom, her wacky boss, the reporter, and a priest? (laughs) It's basically like, here's everyone you need to follow for the rest of the movie. But it sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? You're like, a priest, a nutty professor,
1: Paul Mm -hmm. Walker
2: at 10, and everybody sits down at a bar.
1: And you're like, okay.
2: Well, I I have in my notes uh, too much creeping. And as much as I think those creeping scenes really grind everything to a halt... I love the image, like Joe was saying, of like all six of them huddled around, creeping forward, like, and in the background, the Clark Kent guy's eating a Nestle Crunch bar because he's constantly eating chocolate, you know, and Henry Gibson has the xylophone like perfectly framed. like <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Those kind of shots, even though there's like 20 minutes of them in the movie and that xylophone music made me want to fucking claw my ears out. um, (laughs) uh, The way it was framed and the way that, and a lot of other things were shot in the movie, like, uh, uh, were very impressive and made me think that this guy probably had some bigger filmmaking chops. Um, In particular, I'm thinking of... There's a scene where we're introduced to the reporters and a camera sort of dollies through the newsroom along the desk. Yes, I remember. And I'm like, yep. I was not expecting a shot like that. And I was also thinking of Joey because Joey, like myself, loves portrayals of old school newsrooms yep. and journalism. Yep. And, yep. and I, I was watching this with my wife and after that first scene in the newsroom, she was like, is this what the news was like? And I was like, "Yeah." yeah. And it, it, it hasn't really been like this for, for quite some time. But, uh, I will say this is a teaser for you and for the listeners, the other patrons, uh,
0: that the Megaforce episode, we spend like five minutes talking about like that exact thing about like newsrooms and old timey technology and stuff. So like, you know, it's not exactly the same kind of portrayal, but when I, when I found out this movie is about journalism, kind of, I was just like, <laughs> hell yeah, that rules. <laughs> yeah.
1: Did either of you have a favorite on-screen text? Is there one that stands out oh, in your head? No,
0: I didn't write anything down because I'm just like, these are all good. Like, I, okay. Did you
1: have one in particular that you liked? I, I was debating between the shower, like when they cut to the shower and just label it the shower. That one was top tier for me. The building next door was
2: good, all the timings, but yeah, the shower, I think, wins. Did you have a favorite one? I can't really think of them off the top of my head. I, I did make a short list of like moments that I really liked. Uh, and one of them, it, it kind of goes back to the, the, the shot of the whole crowd uh, creeping forward. There is a scene where they convince the, the general. So, like, this general comes to town and is like, we're going to blow this monster off the face of the earth. And he's really good at playing that kind of character. Um, and they all convince him to give them a ride somewhere. And they're all in a jeep. And it's like something out of a Saturday morning cartoon. Like the entire yes. crowd is in this jeep, and they're just like, "Whoa!" And he's swerving. Oh, yeah! Yep. And it's 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 really a, a fun little scene. We also didn't talk about that, like when he
1: does. So the, Einstein goes up and talks to the the monster, and when and then like the monster attacks him, and so they're like, okay. Now we're just going to throw a bunch of bombs right next to this guy. And, mm-hmm. and like, ostensibly, like, the sheriff guy kills the professor. It's not like the monster really killed the professor, because, like, when they get there, he's still breathing and talking. But it was just like, oh, no, he was just, like, in the midst of a war that took out, around, like, broke out around him. Interesting.
2: That was pretty cool that they were able to get, like, actual tanks and stuff and, like, rocket launchers. I I wouldn't have expected that, but... I need you guys to explain to me if you can explain sort of how
0: they u- how they're using energy because they think they're gonna kill the monster with energy, right? So the professor yes. Paul Walker makes like a camera, but he's like you have to use the horn too. So there is like those little horn that the guy has to blow. I think I think Clark blows that as he's zapping the monster.
1: He said it at the beginning. He said that he uses sound. If you repeat a sound, he can amplify it to make energy from the sound that's like what he teaches clark like when he first shows
0: him the thing after the dinner okay so but that's that's what they think is going to kill the monster but in reality what they have to do <laughs> yes is yeah. the you don't destroy the monster's energy instead you just have to destroy all closets and so they put on out in, like, on the face
1: of the earth uh, mm-hmm. all every closet <laughs> on the face of the earth
0: and they put out like an APB or like we must act immediately destroy all closets and we get like a couple <laughs> montages of like These montages are probably my favorite part of the movie. Closets being set on fire like a samurai like a <laughs> yes. ninja taking katana to slice through a closet and it's just like yeah. the so woman sort of the see... woman that's sitting there that has like a blowtorch and mm-hmm. a welder's
1: mask on lighting her <laughs> own walking closet on fire was so incredible to me i'll and never forget that
0: we see the monster like roaming the streets carrying clark in his arms sort of like king kong or like the incredible hulk or something where he's just like looking for his home and he's going to like closets and he just like looks at the closet and it's just it's destroyed he can't go in there and then eventually he just dies, like he collapses. Well, he's hungry. He doesn't get to eat. They starved him out. It's, it's just so funny that they're like, well, you know, his real power source is closets. It's like, wait, what? Hold on, what?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I explained this movie to my friends today saying that like, yeah, so they just decided to destroy all the closets in the world.
2: And everybody was like, what
1: the fuck are you watching?
2: The, the one thing that got me is that a closet is technically an absence of space. It's not. I was really, going to ask, okay, you're leading like, us in Larson perfectly, because yeah. we've been
1: talking all about what is a vehicle. Is not every room a closet? Wh- why can't he just, like, anything with the, and also they burn the closets down instead of just removing <laughs> the doors.
0: Yes. Which is an interesting choice, too. No, but, I, but I, like, I, just, I just love that this is, like, in a movie filled with kind of kid logic, like, this is the ultimate kid logic. It's like, you can't just take away the closets. It's like, well, that's not really a thing, but, like, all right. You can't have a monster
1: under your bed if your mattress is on the floor, Joey. Right. That's how this works.
2: <laughs> and I also, it's Sorry, it's Julie. pretty incredible that, like, the assistant professor at a community college can get on TV and tell the entire yes. world to, to destroy their closets. And everyone's like, you know what? Why not? We'll give it a shot.
0: Well, I mean, you know, it's the same thing where, like, at the end of, you know, we talked about it at the very beginning of this episode, Halloween 3, where they're like, he's calling TV stations like turn it off, turn it off. But he gets through to one of three locally. Right. So it's just like so he saves like a third of like an area's kids, but like all the other kids everywhere else are doomed. Right. So it's like this is what, what if that worked? It's just like, well, you know, he just got the word out, kill all closets, destroy all closets, and, <laughs> you know, save the day.
1: There has to be some good merch for this movie. Like this movie would be prime for like like destroy
2: all closets T shirts,
1: <laughs> right? Like there had somebody had to do it.
2: I never. I don't. It up, I, but... I, I wouldn't think there's much of a market for it because uh, I agree. Nobody saw the, this movie outside of the yeah. three of us. Ooh, I don't know. Well, no, yeah, I'm, tough also, sell.
0: I'm I am glad though that like this movie is out there to watch with ads, right? Because it's like, what movie do we just watch? Force, I think we talk about this. It all the time. It was Megaforce, yes. It was just like this is a movie that should be out there. That like don't make people pay for it. Like, and I know that like rights put are it on on but put it, put it out there for people to discover. Like, this is just like Paul Walker, because like I th- that's like the point. Like, that's why you like Paul Dooley's in one scene. Paul Walker's most of it. John Carradine's in one scene. It's just like all these actors in this movie. It's like well, they're not really right. Like it's they're they're in the movie, but they're not in the movie. So, but I am glad we watched this though, because I like it's it's goofy and silly and fun, and I enjoyed it.
1: You talking about the the monster and the energy and the professor's um, machine that he built with the sound? I was hoping that this movie was gonna end because it had such like a kiddie Tony like kitty tone to it. That this movie was gonna be that he just uses the monster as like a nuclear reactor to like power all the world's energy problems, and like he just channels like the monster's scream or something. And it's just like, well, we solved world energy problems. And like that's like the hooray. And they like lift them up and like, you know, carry them out and like that's the end of the movie. I didn't expect it to end this way.
0: If you did, I would be worried for you.
1: Yeah, sorry. The, yeah, the kill all the closets thing definitely took me for a loop.
2: One of one of the more interesting things that I, I dug up in my research uh was about the ending. Uh, which is clearly like a King Kong homage. Um, throughout the movie when the Clark Kent reporter takes his glasses off, the the mom professor becomes transfixed with him and there's this great like slow zoom of her, face and she I thought her. and I
1: also thought we were going to get the reverse I really thought that we were going to get her to take her glasses off and then him be like oh my god she's so beautiful like the classic trope the that reverse is really great I like part of it a the lot.
2: twist yeah is that like when he, he the monster knocks after they've tried all these devices and crazy like technological stuff all it takes is for the professor's glasses to get knocked off and the monster falls in love with him and it's very much like a King Kong thing even to the point where after the monster dies, someone says, it's beauty that killed the beast, which is the yes. final yeah, line yeah, yeah. in King Kong. <laughs> um, so before, w- when I was doing research before I watched this, one of the things that kept coming up, uh, at least a little bit, one or two commenters said it was it was a, a gay uh, allegory. Um, it, the movie was called really? monster, monster in the Closet. In the Closet. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. okay and 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 it was filmed in San Francisco and mm. uh the the monster falls in love with the man at the end um but i think that was that may have been a stretch it would have been a really cool thing for like a gay filmmaker in the early 80s to be like well i can't make a gay movie but i can make a monster movie and make it have these kind of gay undertones uh that'd be really I, cool yeah unfortunately I don't think that's what happened. I think I think that the thing at the end is just a King Kong gag, but it was interesting to think about. I'm glad you re-mentioned
0: the San Francisco thing because as I was preparing for the Letterboxd game, I found so like on Letterboxd, there's like, you know, you can add movies to lists. Like I have a list on there of all the movies you covered and blah, 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 whatever. But there's also like you can have like it's like lists that this movie like, lists of yours this movie's on, so it's, like, helpful for, like, whatever you're, like, oh, this is, I wanted to watch this or whatever. But there's also, like, lists you've liked that this movie's a part of. And there was one list I liked that this was a part of, and it was films used in Guy Madden's The Green Fog. And I was, like, what the fuck? So The Green <laughs> Fog is a great movie. Guy Madden's, is like, sort of experimental filmmaker, and he basically remade Vertigo with other movies' clips – without dialogue and it's incredible but i'm like where the fuck there's no monster in vertigo what would he have used but it's probably just like some shot of san francisco that they got for this movie they're like uh. that's perfect because vertigo takes place in san francisco in northern california whatever but i'm like why would they have used so i was gonna bring it up it's like a hey that's kind of a fun little thing but i'm like oh now i know probably why like there was some kind of like establishing shot or like the outside of like the university or something where they're just like you know what movie did this really really well monsters in the closet closet. (laughs) yeah this reminds me monsters in the closet would be perfect for this scene it's so weird though very Um, strange but i was like cool okay because yeah green green fog rules like it's kind of like racer trashy and like the sort of recutting and reconstituting a movie for a different purpose but i'm like where would this have possibly be used but you know but i think there there, i think there's probably validity to that larson we're just like I'm a young either like maybe a queer filmmaker or whatever, and I'm going to make a movie that's a monster movie because a lot of horror movies about all sorts of like, you know, forbidden slash taboo, quote unquote taboo topics. So so it's just it's like between because I did I did wonder at the end. If the monster was in love with Clark, because he kind of like lovingly picks him up and like wants to bring him back, right? Like it looks like they are. Oh, in it love. totally,
2: it absolutely is. I mean, at least it's a one-sided thing, probably. But uh, the monster definitely. In fact, the zoom on the monster's face is the same as the one and the mom, and he even tilts ah. his head tilts his head to the side a little bit. Um you know and it's it's clearly a romantic thing because he won't go into the closet without Clark that's the whole right. thing is he tries to go in the one remaining closet in the world and he can't get in because he won't let go of of
0: Clark so although maybe if you like if you want to extrapolate this further if you destroy all closets that means that everyone is out and there's no need for a closet to hide anymore maybe it's like a sort of Edenic. Although at the end, they're like, none of the monsters that we can rebuild closets. Like, well, you know, we got to go back in hiding or something. So maybe, yeah, I don't know.
2: Like I said, the, the theory falls apart in a lot of places, <laughs> but, but I, I,
0: love it as an idea. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Larson, do you have other notes about this? Cause we have a couple games and stuff to do, but do you have any other notes
2: to share about monster in the closet? Well, I have one last note and it's probably my favorite. Um, I know you guys are big fans, of crazy credits, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you sat and watched all the credits to this movie, but in the, in the special thanks at the end, it's got like 80 names and they're all names of individual people, at least the vast majority of them. It looks like, like something that was crowdfunded, uh, you know, when you see something on YouTube yeah, and they're like, sure. thanks to my sponsors or, uh, you know, thanks to the members of the, uh, Fast F- Too Fast Too Forever Patreon. Mm-hmm. It's this. Yep. It's a. It's a big list, and most movies don't have a list like that. So uh, I'm thinking they were a lot of people who pitched in either money or something else to help get the movie made. It's really interesting, but some of the names on the list really stuck out to me. Uh, Jerry O'Connell. Uh, Ooh, I, okay. I, don't know, I don't know if it's the Jerry O'Connell. But it might I, be. Time-wise, it would make sense, kind of. Uh, maybe he and uh, Paul Walker were pals because they were both kid, child, child stars actors. in the 80s. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Jonathan Frakes, who was Riker on Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what he had to do with this movie. Uh, Harry Nilsson. Uh, who okay. was a singer songwriter from the sixties? Best friends with uh, um, uh, well, John you know, John Lennon.
0: To bring it up to earlier, Harry Nilsson did the score for Popeye for Roger Altman's Popeye. So maybe there's the uh-huh. Roger Altman connection here. Maybe Nilsson. Maybe that's how we get there.
2: That's true. That's very true. And the my the biggest name on the list, Ringo Starr. So okay. what the fuck was Ringo doing out here <laughs> with this know. movie? I don't know oh, what man. I mean, but a, a really interesting and and I'm I'm tempted to go back and watch read through that list to see if there's any more names that that pop out. But those were the only ones that did. Joe, other notes, other thoughts about Monster in the
1: Closet? The only last thing I wanted to bring up is seeing Paul Walker be an actual child actor, like not knowing personally when his career started makes a lot of sense why his family is adamant about reestablishing his brother as Paul Walker in Fast and the Furious. Because we definitely watched the, what was the movie with Zeph that was about the hotel with the child actor parents. Oh,
0: yeah. If you lived here, you'd be home now. No, it, it's, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes, it was. Hollywood bad.
1: Hotel or something, like something <laughs> like this. So I'm thinking that his his parents always dreamt of having a star as a child. And then they're like, well, why don't we just replace him with the other one?
0: Yeah, if you lived here, you'd be home now. A group of people from different backgrounds lives together in a temporary housing complex in Los yes. Angeles. Yes. Yeah. I, I So Paul Walker was born in 73. So this was shot in 83. So he was 10 in this, 13 by the time it came out. But like, I don't think we covered, you know, we, we our first lap of pit stops, which is like lap four. Of, like we did a handful of Paul Walker movies. But like, I don't think we did anything tanny and the t-rex
2: well oh mm.
1: and he was like a t maybe a teenager that
2: was like like mid-90s wasn't it? i don't remember yeah Tammy and the t-rex is the earliest paul walker i'm familiar with and i won't say his his performance in that blew me away so i mean seeing him in monster in the closet was a real step up so Monster in the Closet comes out in 86, Program to Kill,
0: which I mentioned earlier, is 87. Then he's not in another movie until Tammy in 94, at which point he is, you know, twenty twenty one, right? So then yeah. Meet the Deedles in 98, Pleasantville, Varsity Blues, and, like, he's just – he's off to the races from there. But, yeah, so there's basically – he did two very early movies, Jump into Tammy, and then another jump handful of years later. Then, he, you know, his career begins in earnest. But, yeah, this is, like, the the, the debut, the onset of Paul William Walker the fourth. Um, You guys want to watch a trailer for Monster in the Closet?
1: I am very curious to see the trailer for Monster in the Closet. I am
0: assuming there's no reason for it to be 2 minutes and 56 seconds long, but it is 2 minutes and 56 seconds long. Posted by the Trailers of Horror, Monster in the Closet, 1987 original trailer. The description says, this old, rare, original trailer for this Troma Feather. Feature. This was probably a
1: trailer that, uh, like Larson was explaining, was probably a trailer on another trauma film before this one came out. You Very possible. Somebody and ripped also, it off the VHS.
0: You know, trailers before other VHS. You know, the Passenger Fifty Seven, Street Night, classic iconic <laughs> in our in our friendship lore.
2: But the 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 trailers shown at the beginning of Monster in the Closet for you know bust the agent of the CIA and whatever, uh, they were a lot longer than usual because again like there weren't a lot of ways to market these movies so yeah they're they're not going to get on tv
1: with these trailers so they have to show them somewhere right
2: yeah
0: oh yeah also yeah like you're you're not constrained to theatrical like you have to be two minutes and 30 seconds or less right so okay are you both ready to watch monster in the closet original trailer whenever you Mm -hmm. are brother all right three two one play and this is like, when I saw this, the Trauma Team release, the Lloyd Goff and Michael Hurst present, I'm just like, this feels like home.
2: Yeah. Yeah, there is something very comforting about that Trauma Team intro.
0: <laughs> it's also fun that, like, that takes 14 seconds to show that, right? It's just like, we got time. What else are we
2: doing? And this guy is the go-to announcer for Trauma movies. He did oh, okay. the... Uh, He's like, their that-
1: voice...
0: And that's yeah, Fergie. insane, insane to me.
1: Monster in the
0: Even the font is like the old like 30s 40s monster. Yeah, film, right? yep. <laughs> we didn't mention that like when she's in the shower, we have three different psycho jokes where it's like she's gonna get stabbed by the monster or whatever, but it's like no, it's always it's just, just her Paul husband, Dooley, and yeah. then he goes and gets killed in the closet, and then she gets killed in the closet. a
1: closet is that david carradine's dad or brother dad dad okay
0: oh man like there are a lot of like extras in this movie like there there's a
1: lot of actors there's a lot of actors total i agree
2: Troma has a reputation of just being like, you want to be in a movie? Here's five bucks. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nuclear flower pots? I miss that. Yeah. You know, now that you say that this actor who was in the monster also played Predator, like the monster kind of, at certain angles, looks like the Predator. 100%. oh they didn't didn't even shout out paul walker no the the
1: like the cage that they make the electrified cage to electrocute him Uh uh-huh it's pretty cool it doesn't work but it was pretty cool.
2: I do like th- I, I like that the trailer is definitely like in the style of what you'd think of an old movie trailer, like an old timey horror trailer. Yeah. No. no. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, this is good. This is,
0: better yeah. than mo- this is better than the Titanic trailer, I'll tell you that much. We we watch a lot of trailers. This one's pretty good, yeah.
2: It's making it look very uh, action-packed. It's conveniently uh, leaving out all of the creeping around with the xylophone scenes.
0: <laughs> it also conveniently includes, like, 100% of the movie's action, right? So it's yeah. like it's leaving out all the xylophone except for the one shot, and it's like, here's all sure. of the action. Okay. Letterboxd game, for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, 1.6 million times logged. Monster in the Closet, 1986, directed by Bob Dolan, starring Donald Grant, Denise DuBarry, Henry Gibson, and Paul Walker, has been seen by how many people?
1: Oh, it's free on Freebie and Tubi, but I don't think that helps. Paul Walker's debut, Fergie might help, but not much. I would say, like... uh. 3,000 people to start.
2: Okay. Larson? Um, Oh, boy. Uh, I'll say 2,500. You guys are both right there. It's 2,604.
0: 2,604 Beautiful. people have logged this. Average rating of a 2.7 most common, a 3, then a 2, then a 2.5. Awesome Wolf Southern Pass guest gave it four stars. How By the way, that was people... a great
1: first guess. Can you not cr- like cruise over? I haven't been be- that close lately. <laughs> that one was fucking dead on, bro. <sighs> okay.
2: I've, I've been listening to a lot of people... your podcasts, so I, I, I've, I've been studying how the numbers work.
1: Yeah, you have, to get, you have to get in the right mental
0: headspace. Well, you can study all you want. I don't understand how the numbers work, but I'm glad that someone does <laughs> other than Joe. <laughs> Out of those 2,600 people, remember we are in spooky season. How many people have this in their top four favorite films of all time?
1: Oh, you gave us a hint. I, I'm, I'm going to start with six. I'm going to say
0: ten. You are both too high. Uh, four. <laughs> Three. You are both too high.
1: Oh, come on. So you faked <laughs> me out with that we're starting with spooky season? Okay, one.
0: Two. <laughs> you are both too high. Zero. Oh, <laughs> man. Nobody has this in their top four favorite films. Has this ever happened? Has this ever happened? Uh, yeah, to I you? mean it's it's okay. rare, but usually at least there's some like this is one of the smaller movies. So anyway, I found Marcos Silva at Marcos Silva on Letterboxd, who gave this movie five stars, so he loves okay. this movie. Okay. Didn't review it, doesn't have in his top four, but his top four are three classic unequivocal joe aka not jaws three classic horror movies and then a letterbox all-star that is not a horror movie has to be alien nope there's a different horror movie from the 70s a different horror movie from the 70s and a different horror movie from the 90s and then one of the most beloved films of all time that pops up almost every time we play this game a star wars movie one of the star wars no okay um don't guess the fourth one yet just guess the horror movies the thing, no. Uh, uh, but another one by that director.
1: Come on, Larson, help me out here, bud.
2: Oh, well, uh, Halloween. Movie.
0: Halloween number two. Halloween number awesome. two. Okay. You said seventies, right? Seven. That was one of the seventies. There's, there's one. There's another one from the seventies, and one from the nineties. Uh, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Nope. Night of the Living Dead. Nope, that's the 60s.
1: Okay. Um, hmm. One of these
0: I covered on a different podcast.
1: Interesting. Okay. It's like somebody in scream. No.
0: One of these is the start of a franchise.
1: Is the 90s the start of a franchise? Nope. Oh, the 70s is 70s. the a franchise. 70s. Friday the 13th?
0: Nope. That's, that is the 70s, but no. Hmm. I will say this is one of the most popular horror films of all time and will also widely considered one of the best horror films of all time. And it's not Texas
2: Chainsaw Mask. Nope.
0: This director oh. is one that we have covered on this show. That doesn't help me at all. There's yes. another movie of his that I brought up. Uh, there's a couple movies of his that we have not yet covered that we should have covered. Okay. He recently, he he passed away this year. Oh, Okay, who died? This oh, year? The Exorcist. I don't know. The Exorcist, ah, number one. William William Friedkin. Friedkin. Yeah. So the other horror movie from the '90s I covered for a different podcast. Again, one of the most popular horror films of all time. Started a a, a movement. Game changer. And it's not Sorry Scream. No, that also I would say started a movement, although. Yeah, that's New Nightmare was, kind of did it before that. But the, no, it yeah. started a different movement. 90s, horror. Oh, one of uh, uh, the uh, most popular. Saw. Saw. Nope, that's 2000s. Before uh, that. Before there was Saw. There uh, was. Hostel. Hostel.
1: Franchise. It's the start of a franchise, too.
2: There are multiple hostels. Uh, this is, is also there? maybe. I didn't know that. I'm thinking it's because st- in the 90s, you had the kind of gore porn movement that hostile and... No, that saw, was more 2000s. That was after oh, that was after okay. Afghanistan. That was Abu, Abu, Abu Ghraib.
0: Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it, there's a whole like Tobin taught me all about like... That was like people's like reactions to like war, like the, you know guantanamo and stuff they're like let's just make horror sure. movies about it um the 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 horror franchise was the exorcist but the, this is also a horror franchise this other one it's a less it's less of a horror franchise but there's at least i think three movies including this one mm. 90s
2: horror i know what you did last summer the genre
0: oh uh Blair Witch Project the Blair Witch Project
2: 1999 Ah, the podcast good
0: one 90s horror
1: changes changes the genre yeah Yeah. start and there's more of them even though it's not really a yeah
0: I think there was a a sort of a shitty second one and then there's like a Simon Barrett made one like six years ago um the other one not horror at all the start of a trilogy and a movie that comes up over and over and over again in this game because it has been logged 1.9 million times. Beloved by nerds around the world. Joe said Star Wars before? New
1: Hope? I did say Star Wars before. Is it, is it Back to the Future? No. No, because you said it's, yeah. Start of a trilogy. Start of a tri- Oh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Fellowship of the Rings. Of the Rings. The of the Ring. Everybody loves Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship of the Rings. The
0: Exorcist yeah. Halloween, Lord of the Rings, The Blair Witch Project. Shout out to Marcos Silva for doing that. And also, while we're talking about Wes and shouting people out, shout out to Cassie oh. Wilson, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Ooh. Party. Harry Nilsson, what? West Hampton, Jerry Robinson, <laughs> Dan the Duke, Hayden Renato, Donato, Michael McGann, Lane Middleton, Lindsey Lewandowski, Nate Milton, of the Kings of Sport, Jason Rainey, Tom Price, Mike Gallier, Josh Buckley, of whole lot of wolves. Yep. Michael Moser, Christian Larson, what? Tara New, Aaron Willows, Who's and Natalie guy? Absolute, and Jessica Collins, aka Mon Montez. Montez. Thank you all for supporting us the five dollar a month level or above. Uh, We do have that Patreon page at twofast2forever.com if you want to join us over there. But Larson, as a patron, as a friend, as a returning guest of this program, thank you for everything you do. And thank Thank you for joining us tonight
2: to talk about Monster in the Closet. It was just an absolute pleasure talking with you guys again. And I'm so glad I got to say Montez along with you guys, which is something I always... I don't even know her, but I I heard her on one of your episodes, but whenever I listen... Whenever I listen to your podcast, whenever you say Montez, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, I say it along with you. Uh, so shout out! I, I love Montez. that. Thank you. <laughs> that was a thrill. I, ju- I just want to say one thing before I go. Uh, I recently became a board member of the Peekskill Museum in Peekskill, ooh, New York, where ooh. I live, which is a very cool thing. And part of that is I get to like organize events that have to do with Peekskill history. And uh, I'm, like, the youngest person on the board by, like, 30 years. Uh, I can imagine, (laughs) yeah. I'm in my 40s. But um, Troma filmed a lot of movies in Peekskill, New York, in the 80s. uh, Because Lloyd Kaufman was friends with George Pataki, who was at the time the mayor of Peekskill. Um, And so there are members of the Peekskill community who have been in the background of trauma movies and there are locations around yeah uh when they needed like a school bus full of screaming children they just went to the school and said hey can we film you know whatever uh so i'm gonna try to put together a screening of a trauma movie at a theater in town and have people from the community who were extras in the movies oh that's so cool brother tell their stories yeah so that is very very
0: cool Well, aside from uh, encouraging people to go visit you in Peekskill, what do you have going on? I think you want to plug anywhere
2: people can find you on the Internet. Not really right now. Kind of low key. I host host a weekly trivia night at a bar called Gleason's. Uh, If you're ever in the area, I highly recommend it. Um, But yeah, I'm Captain Good Times, C-A-P-N Good Times on Instagram is the best place to find me. Excellent. Well, thank you once again
0: for joining thank us. Thank you, brother. Thank you.
2: Joe, our next handful of episodes. So we've got
0: um, we've got a little bit of time before we get back to Life in the Fast Lane, because next we've got Fate of the Furious, as intended. Then after yes. that, because this was a little bit of a bonus episode, Monster in the Closet. But then we've got The Taking of the Pelham 1, 2, 3, the original, not the remake, but the original from the 70s, which has come up on like two or three different episodes this lap as like great examples of XYZ. So I'm very excited because I've never seen that one. Okay. And then for Thanksgiving week, even though this is the planes, trains, but no automobiles lap, because it is a Thanksgiving movie, we are covering on that Tuesday planes, trains, and automobiles because we're gonna oh. get back on the car and do that that week. We've been building toward it, sort of in a way, all lap. And then after that is Life in the Fast Lane number twenty. we We've got fate. Taking Pelham One Two Three, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and Life in the Fast Lane. And then for our patrons, on Monday, we've got Megaforce as a bonus episode. So we've got lots of good stuff coming up and lots of movies that I'm looking forward to seeing for the first time or again. So
1: Yeah, same. That's very, a good run. Very cool.
0: But for all things Too Fast Too Forever, go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash Fast Too Forever, or at Too Fast Too Forever on Twitter. X, whatever, Instagram, wherever, you know. Email us family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at twofast 2 forevercom and our store at cageclub.me/shop. And come back next time for the fate of the furious. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too and that was Trauma Expert, Trauma Superfan. His favorite movies are all Trauma. JK. <laughs> but dear friend of the podcast, Christian Larson, and we will tell you all about it when we see you again.